The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Music and all that stuff. I like the old-fashioned music. And the old-fashioned music is what God uses, by the way, to prepare hearts for the preaching of the Bible. And I thank the Lord for those fellows. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, now watch that very carefully, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The word content means inner sufficiency. So here's a person that has sufficiency within. So there's not the want. Uh, Paul, of course, uh, was a great preacher. You'll see this about Paul. Paul traveled from place to place, and he preached, and he taught. And as he did, he, he visited some beautiful places. I'm talking about just out of this world, beautiful. Uh, but never one time, never one time in the Scriptures do you see that the Apostle Paul is talking about those beautiful places. Not one time. Uh, Paul was content with the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning on learning to be content learning to be content. In the book of Philippians, you'll see that he is writing in the church at Philippi. And it's interesting because as you do a history study, you'll find that he's writing the church at Philippi from the Manertine uh, prison. Uh, he's in a very small cell. Uh, in that cell, it's very damp. It's very lonely. It's a very dark place. Uh, he, he doesn't have good quality food. He doesn't have good uh, quality um, um, uh, place to wash his hands and his feet. Not, no, no place like that at all. His treatment is very harsh. Uh, it's, uh, uh, he's treated very severely. Uh, the, the darkness is very thick. But yet Paul says this, that he has learned to be content. I know uh, that there are some people that says, well, if I'll get a house, a new house, I'll be content. Others might say, well, if I get a new car, I'll, I'll be content. Others might say, if I get a new suit of clothes, I'll be content. Others might say, if I just get a new friend, that's what I need. I need a new friend. I'll be content. Others might say, if I get a pay raise, then I'll be content. But yet the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20, the Bible says hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. And so man finds himself being naturally not content. When a person is content, it's not according to their nature. Uh, a person by nature is selfish. There was a lady, she worked for uh, a head cook, and the head cook uh, was in the kitchen, and, and uh, of course it was a very astute palace that they served in, and so uh, he announced that morning that the, uh, the owner of the palace was going to be coming through, and so as the owner from the palace came uh, walking through the kitchen, those that were the cooks were standing in an erect position, all in a row, uh, just very fashionable, and uh, as he walked by, she whispered to a friend, if I had a thousand dollars, I'd be content. She did that as the owner of the palace uh, was walking and was in earshot to be able to hear her. He got uh, uh, to the end shaking hands. He called her over and he said, I, I heard what you said, that you'd be content if you just had a thousand dollars. He said, I've always wanted to meet somebody that could be content. So here's a thousand dollars. 
He gave her $1,000. He walked off and he stood outside the door just to hear what her comments might be to her friend. And she started commenting to her friend, I should have asked him for $10,000. <laughs> now, what is that? That is not being content. One young man said to his newly married wife, he, uh, he said this, I wish you would learn to make biscuits like my mother made biscuits. Quickly she replied, without any hesitation whatsoever, if you made the dough that my father made me, I could make the, di the biscuits. <laughs> oh, what is that? That is somebody not being content. Uh, uh, being content is uh, somebody said what a man finds by walking down the road of obedience that's pretty good being content is what a man finds while walking down the road of obedience Paul said this if you'll note in our text he said this he said I have learned now the subject matter is being content he's talking about being content and here's what he says about being content. He says, I have learned. You'll look that word learned up. It uh, gives that which is the definition of mystery. In other words, uh, he did not know how to be content, so he had to take time to learn how to be content. Please don't forget he's in the uh, Mamertine prison. Don't forget that uh, his friends at this point he thinks has forsaken him. Uh, he's there by himself. He's alone, it's cold, it's a destitute place, it's terrible food, he's treated uh, with meanness. Uh, it seems like that he has been totally forsaken, and at that time is when he's writing this church at Philippi, and he said, I just want you to know, he said, I am learning that whatsoever state I find myself in, there I'm going to be content. And so if a man can walk with God so deeply that he is content while in such a devastated position in his life, then so you and I perhaps can find some hope in being content. Uh, let me give you some things to learning from Paul as he writes the church at Philippi. Uh, here's some things I think that he would say. Statement number one, I have partook of salvation. That's one of the ways he was content. I, I think if you were to ask Paul, why are you so content? Here, you're, you're in the, the darkest, deepest place known to a man at this time in your life. You're all alone. Food is terrible. Meanness is given to you. All these things are hitting you broadside. So Paul, tell me, how is it that you find contentment? And I believe he would say this. I'm content, he would say, because I have partook of salvation. Uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, he says uh, that I, I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, you see, when we go through suffering, there's fellowship, who? In Christ. He says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made a conformable unto his death. Listen to what he says to young Timothy. Paul, of course, uh, before uh, had uh, had instructional time, if you would please, to, uh, to uh, Timothy in various stages of Timothy growing up and being mentored by Paul. And one time Paul made this statement to Timothy. He says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Uh, for it says, 
I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep me are able to keep that which I've committed unto him against this day. He said this. He said, I know who I have believed in. You know, it's a good thing to know who you have believed in. I'm so glad that uh, our, our, some of our deaf department was able to go down to the uh, deaf expo. I'm glad that Marcus uh, bowed his heart, received Christ as Savior. All right, there's a knowing who you have believed in. Paul said, I know him. I just know him. Uh, by the way, uh, he could say, I remember when I met him on the Damascus Road. There was a place where he remembered that he came to know him. Uh, and so uh, there was a day, by the way, you remember he stoned at Lystra, and you'll, he was caught up to the third heaven. He said, hey, look, I know him. I saw him. I know him. Uh, Jeremiah could speak the same way. Uh, they hissed at Jeremiah. They made fun of Jeremiah. Jeremiah did not quit. Why? I know him. I know him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abimelego was in the burning, fiery furnace. You'll see it in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 3. Uh, they didn't give up. Why? Because they could say, we know him. Amen. We know him. Moses was mocked by his very own people, and yet he didn't quit. Why? Because he said, I know him. I just know him. Husband passes away, wife is there all by herself. How can she make it? Uh, she can make it better if she knows him. Uh, all of a sudden, the finances begin to be uh, a problem, and you begin to struggle, but you don't know what to do. It helps if you know him. Uh, somebody says, well, I tell you what, it just seems like my neighborhood's getting louder and louder and louder. Uh, it seems like there's no peace in the home and uh, people are riding by and it's just, uh, you, you can have more peace if you know him. Get stuck in Dallas traffic uh, and you can't go anywhere, but somebody is anxious. Boy, are they anxious and they start to blow the horn. And you can't go nowhere. Nobody can go anywhere. But they start to blow the horn. Now, wait a minute. You can have more patience with people if you know him. Uh, when you know him, now I'm not talking about just knowing him for salvation. Though, may I say, that's the most important part of all. Because you'll never get to know him until you have a relationship with him. When a person bows their heart, receives Christ as Savior, that's where it all begins. Uh, by the way, that's why we're a soul winning church. That's why we run buses. That's why we support missionaries. Uh, uh, you say, preacher, do you ever think the church uh, uh, get big? Do you ever think it would grow to be a big, big church? Mm, I'm not really concerned about that. What I am concerned about is that we help people to come to know Christ the very best way we can during the time that God has allowed us to serve together. Uh, can I say, uh, uh, it's important that people come to know him. Uh, as we have soul winning clubs and soul winning individuals that go out and, and people that knock doors and people that tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ and they pass out the gospel tracts and they help people to understand their need of Christ. It's important that you and I never forget how we know him. One of the best things you could ever do in your life is be able to talk to somebody, yea, if it's a friend, yea, if it's a relative, yea, if it's a stranger about receiving Jesus Christ as Savior, there's no greater joy in all the world than a person bowing their heart and receiving Christ as Savior. Uh, I went over to the fair, and there's just not Amazing Grace uh, Ministries there that sets up the little booth at the fair, but I wanted to go in and out of uh, those little uh, uh, places where you buy stuff, those tents, you know, and I wanted to go in and out of those tents just to see if there were some others. I was just curious. 
Oh, there was a fellow over there and he was passing out uh, 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 Bibles and, and I went into his tent and I said, look, I said, uh, I just want to thank you. You're doing a good job. Thank you for passing out Bibles. And here's my gospel track. And I, I just want to say I appreciate you passing out Bibles. And I found somebody in another tent. And, and they were, uh, had a little table set up. And they were given the gospel. And I didn't know these people. But I went in and listened to them a little bit. And you're shy. And, uh, and, you know, just to make sure it's the right gospel, you know. And so I went in and, and listened to them a little bit. And, uh, boy, they got it just as straight as could be. And so I went in. And I, I said, look, I just want to say. I want to stop by. I'm a pastor in the area, and I'm just highly appreciative of people that take time out of their day, take time out of their life to give the gospel. And I'm just so proud of you, and thank you. I said, could I have prayer with you and your group? Is that okay? And so we had prayer together, and I marched on to another place. Now, can I tell you, listen, uh, it is important. It's important. And Paul said, the way that I've learned to be content is the fact that I have partook of salvation. Oh, there's something else he says. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, my brethren, he says, dearly beloved and longed for. He said, my joy and crown. Uh, so stand fast in the Lord. Now watch this, he says, my dearly beloved. Now what's that talking about there? Uh, I think Paul would say this, I'm content because I've learned to practice serving others. I've learned to practice serving others. You know, uh, others are very important in our lives. Uh, we ought to take, and uh, you don't do acrostics for joy, Jesus, others, than yourself. Now, may I say, we ought to spend time serving others. Uh, find a way to encourage somebody. Find a way to help somebody. Find a way to uh, be able to promote somebody. Find a way, if you would please, to say something kind as you're passing by someone and uh, encourage them uh, for the cause of Christ. And so we see that uh, here Paul, he's saying this. He said, my dearly, uh, he says, my, my beloved, uh, dearly beloved. He said, my brethren, dearly beloved. You know, he's thinking high of them. He says, and long for. And there's, uh, he's thinking uh, deeply of them. He says, my joy and crown, so uh, stand fast in uh, the Lord. What's he talking about? He's talking about encouraging. He says, my uh, dearly beloved. And so uh, take time to serve others. Take time to be able to reach. I was here last night, and I was here a little bit late, and uh, the choir had finished, the choir had exited, and they did a great job in practicing uh, for the upcoming Christmas cantata. And, uh, and so I had a young man in my office, and we were talking and fellowshipping, and he wanted some uh, counsel and information about stuff. And so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll spend some of the evening with you if you'll meet me in my office. And and so we met in the office, and we talked, and we chatted for about an hour or so. And, uh, and uh, then uh, I, I'm getting ready to leave, and I go over to the gymnasium, and there's about oh, 12 or 13 guys over there playing basketball. And they said, oh, preacher, you want to play basketball? And I said, oh, no, I don't. And, 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 uh, uh, but I looked over there, and there was Mrs. York. Mrs. York is over there with my grandson and uh, my oldest grandson, Andrew, and filling bags for those that will ride the buses. And, uh, and, and you're going that extra mile, going the extra, all you dear people uh, that uh, baked all those cookies, 500 plus cookies uh, for the Death Expo, 500 plus cookies. Now, now what is that? That's serving. 
that's serving. Uh, don't, don't ever look at your service, my dear friend, and say, well, I'll tell you what, my service is not important. You know, when somebody opens the door, I think of Brother Salazar, that sits, that's his name, Salazar, that, sit, that stands over here by this door, right over here by this door. When you come in, Brother Salazar opens the door for you. He smiles at you. He shakes your hand. He makes you feel welcome and warm. Now, wait a minute, that's no little thing. That's no little thing. Uh, uh, two of our bus kids uh, uh, yesterday sent uh, Joshua, my son, as the bus director, a picture, and then he forwarded it to me. And we wrap our, we're, wrap our tracks. If you go down this hallway and take a right, you'll see, and you're welcome to take as many as you want as long as you pass them out. But uh, if you go down this hallway and take a right, you'll see there's a big track rack that holds 7,000-plus tracks. And, uh, and we have a, a dear couple in our church, uh, 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 Kelly and Joy Gilliam. And uh, what they do is they rubber band those tracks. Oh, and they do such a good job. And they bring them in, and that's their ministry, rubber banding those tracks. We put tin in a rubber band. And they serve the Lord that way. And they, uh, they bring them in, and we put them in those track racks. Well, the other day, some of our bus kids, uh, encouraged by a bus captain, uh, uh, went out and passed out tracks. Little girl had four rubber bands on her, on her wrist. Little boy had three or four rubber bands on his wrist. And uh, they said, we want the preacher to see what we're doing. So they held up the wrist with the rubber bands. Well, that means they passed out 80 tracks in their neighborhood, caring about people that live in their neighborhood. Now, what is that? That's serving. That's serving. Uh, Brother Craig got on, and they went over to see the uh, theatrical play, The Promise, over uh, in Glen Rose. And so uh, many of our senior saints, we have a lot of activities for senior saints and different variations of ages. And they got on the bus, and they went over to see this theatrical play uh, about Christ. And, and uh, they got on the bus. I had prayer with them, and they took off. And he drove the bus over there, two-hour drive over and two-hour drive back. What is that? That's serving. That's serving. Uh, Brother Butler, stand up. Brother Butler's over. Uh, we have what we call a lawn crew. Lawn crew. If you're part of the lawn crew, stand up. Part of, come up here, boys. Come here. Come up here. Come up here. Th this is our lawn crew. Now, by the way, uh, these are not big men. Well, one of them is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, they push the tractor. He picks it up. <laughs> But every Friday, I'm going to tell you about these boys, every single Friday of the world, every Friday of the world, they come. Every Friday of the world. They've got a, a, they've got a shirt that says Lawn Crew. They wear those shirts that say Lawn Crew. And I'm so proud of these boys. Man, they go out and they mow that lawn. And when it's hot out, they mow it. When they don't feel like it, they mow it. And they're out there, and they've got weed eaters and mowers. We don't let them ride the tractor. We let him ride the tractor. But, uh, but, uh, but now, wait a minute. Uh, you know what they're doing? They're serving. That's what they're doing. We're not paying them anything except every now and again we buy them a pizza, a little bit of Coca-Cola. But they're doing it because they love the Lord. When you pull up here on a Sunday, uh, you say, well, I'll tell you what, what it, it must cost uh, 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 thousands and thousands of dollars to keep the lawn. No, no, no. They're saving the church and serving the Lord and they're saving church a lot of money because they come up every Thursday after they get out of school and they are just serving and serving and pushing those lawnmowers. And I see them sometimes, man. I look at their backs and their backs are just soaked to the hilt. And I'm thinking, that's good for a boy. Amen. 
Come on, back me up. I said, that's good for a boy. Amen. Now, now uh, thank you. Be seated. God bless you. Here, shake my hand. I love the way you shake. Yeah, that's so good right there. And, and now watch this. I'm saying, uh, uh, Paul said this. He said, I practice serving others. It's good to practice serving others. You know, ladies, if there's a day in your life when you don't have nothing to do, how about coming up to the church and just serve others? If there's a time in your life as a man, you say, I, you know, we got plenty of stuff to do. We got walls that need painting. We got buses that need cleaning. We've got uh, toilets that need washing. And we, uh, we've got uh, papers that need folding. And we got mail outs that need mailed out. And we've got all, I, it's something about serving that changes a person's life. So here you see Paul, he's saying this. He said, oh, he said, my brother and dearly beloved and longed for. Oh, he remembers how they served. He says, my joy and my crown. He's giving them accolades of praise. He says, so stand fast in the Lord. In other words, don't quit. Don't get discouraged because I'm not there. You serve the Lord when I'm there. You serve the Lord when I'm not there. He said, I'm telling you uh, the way that I'm finding my contentment is, uh, or finding my way to be content is the fact that I know that you're serving Jesus Christ. Uh, I came up here last, uh, I was up here last night before I left and I went over there and I was watching the boys play basketball a little bit and uh, I, I felt like I was losing weight just by watching them. And then I came out the door and there's Brother Yao. Brother Yao fixing that cement out there that's cracked. One of her ladies had high heels and uh, put it in that thing and, and almost fell down. And I said, oh, we got to fix that. So I called Brother Yao. And Brother Yao's out there fixing that cement. And his wife was just sitting there. And, uh, and, and, and Brother Yao needs a manager. And so his wife was sitting there managing him. And, uh, and no, I love it. I love it when families serve together. So I came out. There's a couple of cookies left, and I gave them to Mrs. Yao. I said, you've got grandkids. I said, why don't you give a couple of these cookies to your grandkids? And by that, you can tell they did not make it to the grandkids. But now watch this, if you will. I'm saying I, he says, Paul said this. He said, I, uh, he's teaching, I partook of salvation. Statement number two, I have practice serving others. Uh, years ago, there's a fellow by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller had an orphanage that he opened up, started just very small over there in Bristol, England, and it got up to 2,000 students. He didn't have the money to feed them, and Mueller was a great prayer warrior. And so one night, he said, I don't have money for breakfast for him. I just don't have money for breakfast. And he said, so uh, let's get all the workers together. And so he got a room full of workers. He said, we've got to pray because tomorrow morning's coming. We've got 2,000 mouths to feed, and we don't have any money. So they begin to pray. They prayed for two or three hours, and finally Mueller said, that's it. That's enough. Let's praise God. He gave me peace. He's going to answer prayer. Tomorrow morning, we'll get up, and there'll be breakfast. And so they decided to all go to bed. Uh, he had that type of faith. You ought to read about uh, how God answered his prayer. And so he said, God's already answered prayer. We'll have breakfast in the morning. Time to retire. Let's all go to bed. So they went to bed that night. He got up the next morning, and uh, they came into the place where these thousands of children would sit and eat, and there was no breakfast on the table. And he said, well, he said, let's open up the door. That way God can see exactly where we are. So he went over and pushed, tried to push open the door. Couldn't get the door open. He said, come on, it, it's jammed for some reason. Help me push the door. Could not get the door open. 
Uh, come on now. He said, let's go around and see what's wrong. And so in front of the door of, of that great orphanage was boxes and boxes and boxes stacked one on top of another, three and four thick of food that God had delivered for breakfast. Now, can I tell you, when you serve God, God take care of you. Statement number one, I said, uh, 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 Paul said, I uh, would have said uh, here, as he did to the church at Philippi, I have partook of salvation. That's why I'm content. Uh, I have practiced serving others. And lastly, I'll say this. I, I believe Paul would say, I have prepared for my final separation from this world. I have prepared for my final separation from this world. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, For to me, uh, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Look at verse 22. The Bible says, But if I live in the flesh, uh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, uh, what uh, shall I choose? Wot, I, he says, I wot not. He says, for I'm in a strait between two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. He says, which is far better? You know, so he said, I'm in a strait. I want to stay and serve. He said, but I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Now, what's he saying? He's saying simply this. He's saying, I want you to know I am so prepared. I am prepared to separate myself from this world. Now, because of that, he said, I'm content. I'm content. Uh, can I tell you, uh, when a person is content, then they're content to do whatever God wants. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, he said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So how do you be content? Be godly. Be godly. You don't hear much preaching about that nowadays, but be godly. God's looking for a, a godly, not a godless, but a godly generation. So he says, uh, be content. Listen to this, 1923, there was eight men that really ruled the world financially. They met in Chicago at the Edgewater Beach uh, Hotel. And if you bring these men together, you would see that these are the men that held the world by the tail financially. It was eight of them. There was Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab was the president of the largest steel company. There was uh, Samuel uh, Insall. Uh, he was the president of the largest electrical utility company. Uh, there was Howard uh, Lapson. Howard Lapson was the president of the largest gas company. Uh, there was Arthur Cutton. Arthur Cutton was the one that was the owner of the largest wheat manufacturing company. Uh, there was Richard Whitney. Richard Whitney was the president of the New York Stock Exchange. There was Albert Fall. He was the Secretary of the Interior in the President Harding's uh, cabinet. Uh, there was Jesse Livermore. Jesse Livermore was called the Bear of Wall Street. Then there was Leon Frazier. Leon Frazier was the Bank Interna uh, of International Settlements. Now, now wait a minute. Uh, that was back in 1923. Let's go forward about 25 years to 1948 and see what happened. Uh, uh, Charles Schwab was forced into bankruptcy, lived the last five years of his life on borrowed money. Uh, Samuel Insall, uh, he died in a foreign land. He was a fugitive from justice and only had pennies to his name when he died. Howard Absalom, uh, he went insane. 
Arthur uh, Cutton uh, became uh, uh, involved in some very questionable things and died abroad. Richard Whitney uh, was uh, released from the Sing Sing prison and died after that. Uh, Albert Fall, he was pardoned from prison uh, so that he could go home and die, but he died broke. Jesse Livermore uh, died of suicide as he took his own life. Uh, Leon Frazier uh, also committed suicide. Now, wait a minute. You, know, you say, why, why are you saying that? Because they chased the wrong thing. See, my Bible says this uh, over in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, as I read a moment ago, but godliness with contentment is great gain. They went after the money, but they did not do it God's way. Uh, you, you can chase a dollar bill around America. You may catch that dollar bill, my dear friend, but that's not going to give you uh, uh, the being uh, content inside of your heart. They missed it because they put themselves in their, uh, and their desires first. And can I say uh, to you, there's a way to be content. How do you do that? Well, uh, you be the one, just like Paul, you partake of that which is salvation. You be the one, just like Paul, you decide that you're going to serve others. You be the one, just like Paul, and you know that you have prepared for your final separation from this world. It is a very good day when you can say, I'm right with God, and I'm right with man. As far as I know, everything between my God and me is okay. And everything between man and me is okay. Then you can be content. So desire to be content. Oh, you know, I went to that Parkside Baptist Church and it wasn't what I was looking for. Here's my question. Is it what God has for you? I think you always ought to, I think we have eye trouble. And eye trouble, by the way, eye is the center of that, which is pride. And I think if we get in this, well, I'll tell you what, um, I like to go to a church when, uh, uh, where I can uh, have the feeling stuff that's going on. Hey, why don't you let God speak to your heart? What changed America many years ago was old-fashioned preaching. Amen. By the way, I think that's what would change America today. And can I tell you, uh, mm, it's not about the programs, and it's not about the music, and it's not about, um, uh, can the pastor of a church tell you a good story? Can he make you laugh? Mm, can he make you cry? It's about, is he preaching the Bible? And, and is the Bible uh, 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 being well-received into my heart? And can I tell you, I do believe this, if we get churches to turn back to the old-fashioned way of uh, hearing the Bible preached and uh, letting young people uh, uh, be in a place where uh, God can reach inside of their hearts and God can reach inside of their life, I think that you would see uh, an America that would be back uh, going to things they ought to do. Now, let's be content about the right things. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.